Welcome to the second episode of Football Introspection. I am your host, Anati, and in today's episode, we'll have a more in-depth discussion on what has happened over the footballing weekend, and we'll have a discussion on maybe like match analysis, on controversial decisions, and some interesting facts that I picked out maybe from players, or maybe interesting facts about teams. So just some conversation, if you can say. And yeah, if you guys maybe have like comments that you guys would like to share then please do share your opinion and tell me whether you agree with me or you disagree with me or maybe i just didn't see it in a different perspective and you see something differently just tell me like yo anati you didn't look at it like this or did you consider looking at this situation like this and then maybe i'm like ah actually shit actually should have looked at it like that so yeah let's actually get into the episode so Today, we start off in France, and specifically, we're starting off in the Coupe de France in a match that was between Paris FC and Lyon. The match was 1-1 at halftime and had got abandoned at halftime as well. The article said that there was a fascist hooligan group and violent supporters that um, caused the match to be abandoned. So in terms of violence, I'm not sure what the fans did because the article didn't specify, it didn't say whether they invaded the field, whether they got into a fight or anything like that. So they didn't really specify, but they did say that um, several number of these violent and fascist fans have been identified, specifically one man who hurled racist abuse and imitated a monkey. So probably saw a black fan or something and then acted as a monkey to try and say call him a back fan so it's oh, it's uh, it's fucked up but yeah man it's yeah it it's tough to just leave it as is but it's it's sad that it's in our game that's what i can say so from leon's side of it they have decided to state their intentions of handing out lifetime bans to these offenders and have also banned their fans from traveling to any away games until further notice but you see, this is the thing with the Leon fans. It's not the first time that this has happened. So I personally believe that Leon should have like a better way of dealing with this because even these fans, they were apparently 20 minutes late and then they were escorted to their seats by like 30 security guards and stuff. So it's not like these guys are unknown. They're known for being a fascist group of Leon Ultras. So they should know that these guys have the possibility of doing such behavior and what should they do stop them from coming to the matches from the get-go not make them do something or allow them to do something and then stop them it's like if you see a nazi walking around in germany the germans aren't gonna wait for him to kill a jew they're going to stop him immediately so yeah talking about the nazis lol i don't know how we we're linking this but then somehow the leon fans decided that in 2018 when they're versing CSK in Moscow, that they're going to do the Nazi salute. Listen to this. You can't script these things. Another thing is, the Leon fans were attacking Besiktas fans in 2017. And then in 2015, in a game against Lille, they had a banner that um, read, Refugees not welcome. So, I think Leon need to find a way to deal with their fans because this is, it's really out of hand now. It keeps on happening. And it's not just small things that's happening. It's not like it's just one person 
who's doing these things. It's a group of them. So Lyon need to find a way to deal with their fans. The FFF or the French Football Federation will have a disciplinary hearing or disciplinary commission tomorrow where they'll discuss the matters of the game in terms of what they need to do to the Lyon fan base in whole and I'm guessing also the um, the smaller group, the ultras that have um, violated. So that'll be the discussion that happened and then hopefully you can find out and see what they say tomorrow. Um, in another match in the Coupe de France, on a more cheerful note, uh, former Milan and Watford forward Mbainyang scored four goals in the 10-0 win for Bordeaux. So at least that's some positive news. So yeah, um, let's move on to the Bundesliga where they had their last round of fixtures. And we'll start with Bayern who are running away with the league again. They currently are nine points clear of second place Dortmund. So Bayern have 43 points and Dortmund have 34 points. Now I just want to show you just how great or how dominant they are. Bayern's goal difference is 40. So if Bayern use their goal difference as points, they would still be in the league. Yes, it's possible to get more than three, like in terms of points with like goal difference because they just won four no. But then it's also possible to lose points or goal difference if you use goal difference as points. So the fact that they're like six clear of Dortmund is for me quite an impressive thing that they're showing that they're scoring a lot and conceding a little. So yeah, but as I was talking about that 4-0 victory that they had against Wolfsburg, um, Leva scored his 69th goal of the calendar year which equals CR769, which he got into in 2013. And Lever scored his 43rd goal in the Bundesliga for the calendar year, which is breaking Karat Muller's record of 42, which he set in 1972. So, yeah, Lewandowski doing what Lewandowski does, scoring goals. And, yeah, I guess that's why Thomas Muller called him Lewandowski. Sorry for the terrible humor, but anyway, um, Leipzig they lost 2 0 to Armenia Bielefeld, second bottom team in the league. Leipzig sit now in 10th. I think that's the shock of the Bundesliga weekend. Yes, Dortmund lost to Hertha, so it's yeah, it's a tough season for, for Leipzig after losing um, Nagelsmann, Upamakano, Savitsa. Funny thing, or the sad thing is that they lost them all to Bayern. That is like the saddest part of it all. So, yeah, it's a very much a tough season for them. So, yeah, plus they got knocked out of the Champions League in Europa. They struggled a lot in the Champions League even. So, yeah, so that's a tough first half of the season for them. As I'm, But as I mentioned, yeah, the Bundesliga have played their last fixtures of the year. So they're going into their winter break now and they'll come back on the 7th of January. It's a match between Bayern and Mönchengladbach, and last time they played Mönchengladbach, just beat Bayern five 0 So eh, who knows? Maybe it could happen again. Maybe Mönchengladbach can play a better game and make it even better. Who knows? But yeah, that'll be an interesting game to see when the Bundesliga is back next year.
on to the La Liga. So we start here in Villarreal versus Real Sociedad. Villarreal won that match 3-1. And I just want to have a special like shout out or mention to Gerard Moreno, who has two assists and three goals in his last three starts in all competitions since coming back from injury. And he's been out actually since the 23rd of October. So it's actually a lengthy period and he's coming back firing. So Villarreal will definitely be happy that he's back fit and hopefully he can help them climb up the league with more goals, more assists. Now on to Barca. Barca beat Alche 3-2, but they surrendered a two-goal lead. And Nico Gonzalez saved them in the 85th minute with a winner. And that was a very key victory for them. But the fact that they went 2-0 up and came back to 2-2 is very worrying signs. At least they got the three points. That's what they can take from it. But it's very worrying that they're letting a two-goal lead slip. But yeah, I just wanted to mention Nico Gonzalez quickly and the Barca's like academy now with the new players that are coming up very good player i've enjoyed watching him play tall as Busquets, but moves through with the ball like an iniesta type of player so yeah he's he's very elegant very nice to watch so too is gabi i actually want to mention something about gabi a fun fact that i read about gabi is that gabi doesn't tie shoelaces because gabi never learned how to tie shoelaces as a child so that makes what he does for me super impressive because you know yourself you walking with your laces untied you may trip you may fall you've had that from personal experiences but Gavi is running full field running around with men playing contact sport well supposedly a contact sport i'm sorry for slandering my sport like this but anyway so yeah he's playing in a contact sport and um he's not tripping or he's not falling over himself no one is i don't know he's just playing the game like his laces are tied he's running like his laces are tied he's dribbling past players i don't know that's impressive i don't think i could personally do that so yeah that is very much impressive from gavi but back to Barca. so Barca's victory puts them two points behind atletico madrid in fifth place and three points behind raya Vallecano in fourth place with a game in hand to Rayo Vallecano actually so if Barca win the game in hand then they level with Rayo Vallecano which shout out to Rayo for having such a brilliant start to the season hey they've, they've really done well and actually Barca lost to Rayo Vallecano away from home under Kuman. Falcao scored that goal I remember that match but yeah great work to Rayo Vallecano hope they finish as high as possible Champions League football will be great for them but then just imagine they get drawn with like a super group like with Abo PSG or Man City, Bayern type of thing. And then even though they will enjoy their time in Champions League, but they wouldn't really enjoy it because they're losing and they're not, they're not like ready for it yet. But I'm happy for them. Maybe they can get like some Europa League football and then keep on building. And then next season, they finish in the top four properly and then actually have a proper run at it but hey man you never know maybe next season maybe this season they qualify next season they're actually ready for champions league so you never know but yeah sevilla let's move on sevilla beats atleti madrid 
and they won 2-1 and Real Madrid drew 0-0 against Cadiz last night. So the gap is six points between the top two, Madrid and Sevilla. And Sevilla have a game in hand. Sevilla play Barca tomorrow as well. So if they win, they'll be three points behind Real Madrid, starting to put some pressure on Real Madrid. And But Madrid play Athletic Club on Wednesday. So, yeah, it's it seems like it'd be a good season for Sevilla. Normally, they don't beat the big sides. So they never really have a, like a, never contend for the title. So now it's it's a good it's good to see them actually beating Atletico Madrid. Now if they can beat Barca as well, now they're keeping up that pressure um to Madrid after playing two of maybe the three biggest sides in Spain. So it's 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 a good it's good to see them do that. Plus they've only won one La Liga in their history, man. Their fans would definitely want at least for them to contend. Not necessarily say they can win. Yes, they would love to win the league, but at least contend. And then maybe they pull off like a shock like Atletico did in 2013-14. We don't know. Maybe they can do it last last game. They win it. That would be lovely to hear. But yeah. Um, another story from the La Liga. Uh, Jorge Molina. A man who turns 40 years old next September. Scored a hat-trick in Granada's 4-1 win versus Mallorca. That's great like i think that's super special probably like in terms of feeling special probably as good as maybe his first hat trick because like you're 39 you're turning 40 at the end of the season you may not be playing next season you may be playing next season but you may not score another hat trick and specifically okay you may not score another la liga hat trick as well so this is must be super special for him and his family. I'm happy for him. Congratulations to him as well. So yeah, that's a very respectable moment to him and for him and his family and helped his team win a game quite comfortably according to the scoreline. So yeah, but let's move on to the Premier League. So since we last spoke, there were supposed to be 13 matches at were supposed to be played but only six got played seven got cancelled because of the coronavirus which is sad it's like it's it's messing up our what our christmas period the festive season where you know who's going to compete for the league and you know who's probably going to get relegated so yeah it's it's making it tough but yeah one of the matches that did play leeds lost to arsenal sad for them 4-1 11 goals conceded in two matches. Oh, that doesn't look that great. But, yo, man, it's, it's, it's very tough for them because you have to look at it relatively. Like, you can't just only look at it as an absolute. Obviously, in terms of getting promoted or relegated or staying up and getting relegated, it's in absolute terms. You don't look at whether your squad has diminished or whatever. You look at it in absolute terms. So, yeah, in that way, then, oh, it's tough. It's, un- it's sad for them. But in terms of relative weight let's look at it relatively speaking and we look at them and we look at the amount of injuries they have and it's not even covid injuries that's the thing it's like they're not even sick it's just injuries could be like ankle injuries muscle injuries whatever so it's, you can't necessarily just say no Bielsa is making them work too hard it's some of these injuries is impact injuries and that are just unlucky so yeah i don't know if you guys heard like on their bench their youngest player on their bench 
was 15 years old and the oldest player on the bench was 21 years old so that is wild so yeah i'm older than both of these people and look at me i'm at home <laughs> lol jokes but congratulations to those guys man it's like it must be a great moment that you actually made it to the premier league bench and now you keep on fighting to make it even further and actually get a premier league start or premier league minutes and then yeah just keep on growing so yeah let's move on to city who extended their lead on the top of the league to three points from liverpool and six points from chelsea yeah simple 4-0 victory i believe i don't know that's what the scoreline suggests pep wasn't necessarily pleased with the first half so just pep like wanting the best from his team probably find that pep was complaining because they weren't pressing hard enough or something i don't i honestly don't think it was something of like scoring goals in that nature i don't know i didn't watch the game and i didn't actually read full on what pep said i just the type of detail oriented type of coach he is it very much seems like something like that that the pressing game maybe couldn't wasn't correct or maybe they weren't moving the ball fast enough or something like that i don't he doesn't always complain about goals being scored or whatever he won't say a perfect game is them winning 8-0 like they did against Watford. I, I believe Pep can take a 2-0 victory and say that's the best game. Or even a 1-0 victory and say this is the best we've ever played. This is a perfect game. Just because the principles of the game that he wants are followed. Because some games you will score 5 and some games you will score 2. Well, City type of teams will score 5 on some days. But yeah, so if you just follow the principles correctly then... Maybe you can score five, or maybe you won't score that five and you'll get two. But yeah, I think it's just principle-based. But anyway, let's go on to the big game of the weekend, Liverpool versus Spurs. And I think Liverpool were unlucky in the fact that Kane should have gotten sent off. Um, Robo jumps and Kane still catches him on the top part of his ankle. If Robo's standing still, that's through his shin robo's leg is broken now now kane must get a red card just because he broke robo's leg no let's give him the red card because that's a dangerous tackle whether he's taken him out and broken his leg or taking him out because even taking him out in the air is a dangerous tackle because if he gets in enough contact then you never know maybe robo lands awkwardly maybe on his shoulder maybe he lands awkwardly like belly flops straight onto the ground something like that there's always that possibility that something messed up can happen because of a poor challenge. So I think that should have been a red card. I think Jota should have got a penalty. Um, Emerson got nothing of the ball and shoulders straight into Jota's back. You can say Jota's looking for the penalty or not, but whether he's looking for it or not, a foul is a foul. So if the guy is ramming into his back, then that's a foul. Plus... You can't expect him to run at the same pace as when he's trying to shoot because that's what the referee said. He says he felt that he was looking for it because he slowed down. But you're not good. if you're running 20 kilometers per hour whilst you're about to shoot and then now you're taking the shot and your pace decreased to maybe 15 kilometers per hour. Well, it's because you're steady. You're getting ready to take the shot. It's not because you're waiting for a challenge. It always happens. You just... You just maybe striding into the correct step or you've taken a bigger stretches to make sure that 
your correct foot is planted that you can swim with the other foot so i think VAR should be used better just um tell the rep no go have a look at this and not saying that you need to change your decision just have a look at it again and decide what if you think that you need to change it or not i don't think VAR should only be used for decisions that change because then it's kind of like predictable like then there's no need for sending the ref to the screen you can just the video assistant ref can just say yo clear an obvious error award a penalty or red card type of thing or take away the penalty those are the only that's always what's happening he always goes and then he changes his, his decision no let's go and see it. referee will say ah no man this is still a yellow card for me it's fine or no man this is a penalty this is exactly what i've seen then it's fine and it doesn't need to take long 10 20 seconds you just get a couple of pictures in normal speed and then you're like okay fine let's move on let's play the call that i made is correct so yeah but spurs should have won um even with the controversial um goal of robertson with the ball hitting salah's hand look man it's unlucky it's the laws of the game now last season that is ruled out this season it's not it's the same thing as if we remember spurs versus city in the Champions League um, quarterfinals, where the ball hit Lorente's hand and he scored, and then it came from a corner and then hits his hand and it goes in, and that's the decisive goal that actually puts Spurs through. VAR was in use in that game because last minute um, Sterling scored, but he was from offside, and then that was like the first big, like overturn of a goal that VRR came with oh lovely memories <laughs> but yeah so i just think it's part of the the game man it's just the law that has been changed it's unlucky for spurs last season they would have been lucky and that wouldn't have counted so yeah but anyway let's move on to the last Premier League game i want to discuss and i don't want to discuss necessarily the game in itself because it wasn't a great game it was eh, it was dull um i just want to discuss i want to know what like the premier league what's the criteria for the premier league to decide that a game must be called off or postponed or not because we're not sure about that because chelsea had seven people that have tested positive four on thursday three on sunday the three that got tested on sunday positive traveled with the whole squad for three hours on a bus and they stayed together in meetings and in the enclosed bubble because these guys had tested positive um, negative so we're keeping them together and now three get tested positive after the long bus ride so are we not worried the other players are going to be positive and that they might go on like be spread to the wolves players maybe the refs the fans i don't know i just i think the premier league need to be more clear about this like they said to be speaking today i'm not sure at what time so maybe we'll get uh, a more clear criteria on what it takes to get a game postponed or maybe they're going to decide to put the season on hold problem is if you put it the season on hold where are we going to fit the games back into the league season because everyone else is still playing premier league is the only league that has and they're struggling this much. Serie A, they're playing the Liga, um, France, Germany, they're all playing. And they even back to like greeting each other. They've been greeting each other before the game in terms of handshake-wise. 
where Premier League don't even do that. You see them standing next to each other in the tunnel in other leagues. So, yeah, it just depends on how that will be um, dealt with. But on to Serie A quickly. And Inter, six in a row. The start of this six-match victory, actually, or six consecutive victories, is a match against Napoli. And when they had played that match, Inter was seven points behind Napoli. And now, after these six matches, Inter are four points clear of Napoli and topping the log now. Four points clear of Napoli and AC Milan. So, great turnaround in form for Inter and poor in terms of form for Napoli and Milan because they had about the same amount of points at that point in time. So, quick match analysis that I'd like to do. Um, Atalanta versus Roma. So, Atalanta started the game with the 3-4-3 and under Gasparini they like to play with two diamonds on the wider flanks, like on the flanks. So the diamond would consist of in the deepest position would be the right centre back. This is we're focusing on the right hand side now. So it would be the right centre back, then the right centre mid would be the left side of the diamond, the right wing back would be the right side of the diamond and the top of the diamond would be the right forward so it's a fluid type of diamond but the, a lot of the movement happens between the center back and the right center mid so if the center back pushes forward then that right center mid would normally drop back and watch the gap that that right center back left and not necessarily his position so that means that he's opening up space in the in the middle and roma played with a 3-5-2 which congests the middle so the midfield is congested and then they've got two strikers that are playing in the middle area. So it's a central dominated um, formation in terms of a back three. So Atalanta did have um, chances from this and they were actually making like progress in terms of creating chances and hurting Roma and, and stuff. But the problem with that is that Mourinho had set up his team perfectly to counter and now the problem is that the counter is going straight into the middle. At least if you're countering from the sides, then the team always has a chance of recovering because the goals are in the middle. But now if you're countering straight in the middle, it's like a one-on-one, a two-on-one against the keeper type of situation. So you're going to, chances are you're going to get the shot against the keeper. So um, Gasparini had to change that and he did change it. It worked defensively well because they didn't counter as much, but it was already 2-1 at that point or 2-0 at that point. And then Muriel, who came on, had scored to make it 2-1 just before halftime. But then in terms of creating chances in the second half, there weren't too many chances that were created because the central part that Mourinho had initially covered had been still protected well. And that's where Atalanta still had to now try and create chances. For example, Pasilic, when they changed to a 4-2-3-1, was nowhere to be seen because he was playing in the 10 role. And now... There wasn't anything that Atalanta really could do. They weren't really creating chances. They got a goal, which was ruled out for offside, but that was from a corner. Um, I disagree with that because I don't think Palomino forced Cristante to doing anything. I think that ball hits Cristante and goes in anyway of Duven Zapata's head. So, yeah, I get it because Palomino did make a movement to the ball, but with or without the movement, that ball is going in because Cristante is not moving According to Chris um, Palomino's movement, it literally hits him 
after Zapata heads it. So, yeah, unlucky, but I get it. And then Roma get the next two and kill off the game. Uh, the next one I wanted to speak about was Fiorentina Sassuolo. I just wanted to mention just three strikers that maybe you guys can keep an eye out for. Dusan Vlahovic, if you guys follow Fabrizio Romano, then you'll know that he's always talking about him every time Vlahovic scores. Um, Romano's always posting. And yeah, um, Vlahovic has got his 33rd goal in the calendar year. And that's equaling Ronaldo's record of the most goals in the Serie A since the 1960 year. So that's very impressive. And then the other two strikers play for Sassuolo. Um, Raspadori and Skamaka. And Skamaka scored the first goal. Raspadori assisted the second. And then Vlahovic made it 2-1. So, yeah, I think Skamaka and Raspadori must be given a chance by Mancini in the Italian national team because I don't think Baradi and um, Belotti and Mobley are doing it for him. So the front three is Insigne, Chiesa and who? Benedetti was also an option, but I don't think he's also holding it down well enough. So give these two young boys a chance, see what they can do. If they can't do it, then it's fine. You keep on trying with the senior players, but at least give them a chance to prove whether they're good enough or not. So, yeah. Other, in terms of other leagues that I'd like to speak about quickly, or other competitions. So, Chelsea women, who were... Last season's Women's Champions League beaten finalists, they got knocked out of the Women's Champions League this past week. They needed a draw just to secure qualification and top spot, but they ended up losing 4-0 to Wolfsburg. So they are out of the Champions League. Um, from my side, of this part of it that is sad, but hey man, you get what you get. Football is a cruel sport. Um... Another one that I wanted to talk about is Mamelodi Sundowns, actually. They had played Pirates on Friday and won 4-1. And at the end of the weekend's results, the gap between Sundowns and second-placed Royal AM is 17 points. And the gap between second-placed Royal AM and 16th-placed, last-placed Barroca is 16 points. So... Second place is closer to first place in terms of points gap. That is impressive in terms of consistency by Sundowns because, fine, the other teams are not winning, but Sundowns are keeping it up and they keep on winning and they're not losing. So we have to give them the respect that they deserve. So that's the end of the recap. Now, in terms of what we could look forward to this week, in Africa, we have the CAF Super Cup final between Raha Casablanca and Al Ahli on the 22nd of December. And then in Europe, the big games are Sevilla versus Barca, the league match on the 21st of December. Liverpool versus Leicester on the 22nd of December, that's a League Cup fixture. And Spurs versus West Ham. Also on the 22nd of December, that's also a League Cup fixture. So, yeah, let's let's just discuss the poll that was posted yesterday. But um, in terms of the best striker or best all-round finisher, um, Suarez took that. He got um, 
half of the votes. I personally voted for Aguero. I think that his consistency is very key for me. Um, Suarez and Leva definitely had higher peaks than Aguero. We can partly say that's because Aguero had been injured in most of his seasons, but we're not sure that he would reach those levels if he stayed fit anyway. So the main thing that I would just say for Aguero for me is that he's consistent. I know every single season that he plays is going to give me 20 league goals, and I'm happy with that. And then maybe like five in Champions League, something like that. Unlike Suarez, where you could some seasons, there was a point, I think, went three years without a Champions League goal. So it's, yeah, up and down. You're not sure what's going to happen. So that's that part of it. And that's why I chose Aguero. Just very consistent over a l- many number of years. Um, I think the toughest question I asked was the person with the best passing range. Personally, for me, it was between Cesc and Ozil, even when I was asking this question. Like, I got one vote for KDB. That's good for him. But I feel like I set him up against Cesc and Ozil. KDB can, like, yeah, he's one of the best passes today. But compared to Cesc and Ozil, come on. Like, just need to watch their highlights. Like, there's a pass of Ozil where you can't even see Kolasinac in the picture when Ozil is passing the ball. That's how good the pass is. The like, the pass is the goal because without that pass, Bamiyang doesn't score because it's a pass to Kolasinac who plays it back to Oba and Oba scores. But without that, there's no goal, and it's not even the fact of having the vision. It's the fact of like just putting enough weight on it. Like it's just teasing. It's such an amazing pass. But then you look at Cesc on the other hand, who probably has the best Premier League assist. If you go check Chelsea versus Burnley in the 14-15 season, it was the first match. Um, Ivanovic plays a cro- uh, square ball to Cesc, who's around the D of the box. And then he just plays it towards the six. So at first time, ball into Sherlock. Go, promise you, if you haven't seen that assist or that goal, please go check that goal out. That's probably the best Premier League assist or one of the best Premier League assists ever so yeah I can't disagree with says winning I personally voted for Ozil though and then in terms of the trophies um no one voted for any so that possibly means I have not reached the Spurs market yet <laughs> jokes jokes guys um but yeah no one voted for any cup um cup competition or any trophy um there was one vote for a cup. So maybe I've got someone like a Arsenal fan or something like that. I just used to using Premier League teams. Not to throw shade at Arsenal, it's just that winning the league is unlikely and they're not in European competition. So the domestic cup is the easiest thing for them. And then there was one vote for Champions League, which was me. And then the rest of the votes were the league. And I understand why people voted for the league. As a Chelsea fan, I could have also voted for the league because we last won the league in 16-17 under Conte. But Madrid is the only team in recent history that can say that they've went back-to-back. Well, they went back-to-back-to-back in terms of the Champions League. So if we can go back-to-back, then I'll definitely be happy about that. Yeah, so I also saw some tweet about an unpopular opinion saying that Vinny... Dribbles better than Messi, any type of Messi, and that's hard to agree with. Like, Vinny's a great dribbler, but what Messi does is just, it's just, come on, it's impressive. It's hard to 
to find anyone better than him. Like you, you have to look at someone who dribbles, like like your Hazards, your Neymars, your Maradonas, Ronaldinho's, like those type of players that when they dribble, they kept the ball around them. Like Ronaldo was also a great dribbler, but then a lot of what he used was his skill or pace. So he was more extravagant in that way. But Messi, in his dribbling um, abilities, that he can go through multiple players in a closed like group or closed setting, whatever they say the word is but yeah small space so that's what Messi is able to do and that's one of the reasons why it's hard to say to say yes to anyone being a better dribbler than Messi so yeah it's 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 very hard to say that so yeah but if you do have any unpopular opinions please like comment and let's see if we can agree and tell us why you think that maybe because you mention one and maybe we don't understand and you're like like this unpopular opinion you're like no nah, not really no so maybe just you can give us a why and then maybe we'll get it or maybe it's an unpopular opinion that i also believe low-key or high-key actually so yeah we'll just comment that and let's see what your thought process is and um finally i just think for thursday's episode we'll be having a discussion more on transfer window so just to let you guys know like a small preview like it'll be everything related to the transfer window and including how COVID is affecting it because Klopp was saying that unvaccinated players it's going to be they coming to put our health in danger I don't think that they're putting someone else's health in danger because vaccinated people and unvaccinated people can still get the virus but I get what he's saying in terms of it could like have an impact in terms of whether you want to sign the player because you never know what could happen with the virus. Maybe it just treats him well. Let's hopefully no one has to deal with it and actually passes away because of the virus. But it's very much possible that anyone can pass away, not just only us normal human beings. Footballers can also. So I do get where there's that thing of when someone is vaccinated or not, would you think of signing them or not? Because you find that you could be paying multiple millions and then this person gets COVID and then he gets severe and he's out for three, four months just because COVID has been terrible to them. So I do get um, where it's coming from. So yeah, we'll just be speaking about the transfer window in terms of that and transfer window in general, just speaking about whether teams need new players and everything. And then you guys think about it as well. Think who your team may need. And then when I come up with, if I do mention your team and I think that your team may need someone, then mention, hey, yes, I agree or no, I don't agree. I think this is more of a priority signing. So, yeah, that'll be that's Thursday's episode. And that's all for today, guys. Um, thank you for listening to today's episode. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed what I have been saying. I feel like I've been speaking for long, like, but yeah, football is, is very interesting and we can, or I can speak about it for um, longer than I have done now. But thanks for listening to the episode. Please comment and share and I'll see you guys on Thursday. Bye.